If you are vulnerable to psychic damage from roguish language, stay away from these gibbering mouths. But if you intend on listening to this podcast about enriching your fantastical group hallucinations, you're too far gone already. Your next game is going to play out perfect tropes from the greatest tales, and here's why. In this episode, we're finding answers to what makes tropes work in TTRPGs. And how do you avoid bad tropes? And what can we learn from the horror and romance-themed adventures of Paige Ford? Welcome to the Hook and Chance podcast. I'm Jordan. And I'm his brother, Travis. So today, we're talking about stupid tropes. <laughs> Easy. Tropes are garbage. Wait. They're for garbage people, and you're a garbage GM for relying on tropes. Go tropeless, that's what I say. I'm an original storyteller. I've never told a story with tropes. You won't find any tropes here, you garbage GM. Well, you're a stupid liar, Travis, <laughs> because did you know that subverting all tropes is in itself a trope? You cannot tell a tropeless tale. Heroes are a trope. Villains are a trope. Fighting evil is a trope. Your mom's a trope. <laughs> no, not really. Yeah, I guess it is. Damn it. <laughs> Everything's a trope. <laughs> Your mom jokes are a trope. Okay, so fine. I was playing a bit of a character there. <laughs> I, I, kind of an insufferable character, but I've had this notion before. Yes. It comes from a place of good. I want to tell a story that surprises and delights my players. Yeah, I want to take them on a journey they haven't been on before. So the natural inclination, I think, for a lot of GMs, including myself sometimes, and I have to fight this, and it, it is an interesting thing to start to peel back the layers of, are tropes good? Are tropes bad? Can a trope be helpful? How is a trope helpful? Like, there's a lot of questions in those kind of discussions about tropes. And where we eventually landed is that tropes are a tool that can be used <laughs> poorly or well. Right. You can use a trope that is very tired and expected. Because one of our favorite websites, tvtropes.org, they define a trope as a storytelling shorthand for a concept that the audience will recognize and understand instantly, which saves you so much legwork as a DM when you can introduce a trope and everyone gets it, and then you can tell a story together. Right. And that's what we want to try to get to the bottom of, is tropes can be good, tropes can be bad. How do we figure out, how do we you know, sift through all of this information, and how do we use tropes to their maximum effect? Now, I want to point out, if you still got any resistance to this uh, episode that D&D <laughs> is a collection of every fantasy trope jammed in one place. That's what the monster manual is. It's every monster trope put in one place. That's what the classes are. They're all tropes. It's a trope fest. But in this episode, we're going to be talking about how to use them effectively. And to do that, we have an incredible guest on the show that has a knack for pulling great tropes into her adventures and games. She's written an impressive assortment of adventures and supplements for different systems, but here are a few highlights. There's What the Ruins Kept, a D&D 5th edition horror-focused combat-heavy module about investigating and cleansing the haunted McDreary Keep. I'm into that. 
I'm super into that. That sounds some Halloween-y stuff right there. Then there's Our Fair Maidens, an adventure included in the anthology Uncaged, Volume 2, which is a reimagining of the Rusalki, a legend from Slavic folklore that includes a really intense moral choice. And we got The Sudden Storm, a Call of Cthulhu adventure that catches players in an unexpected, treacherous storm on a rocky coast. And then the known gnomes. A known gnome goes unknown with the known gnomes. <laughs> oh, Paige, I'm going to get you for that one. It's powerful. This is just a delightful 5e one-shot that puts players in the shoes of a legendary band of gnome adventurers. <laughs> Called the known gnomes, of course. And she was a creative and art director and the project manager for the recently released Tavern Tales that we've gone on about you may have heard us as well as writing one of the adventures in it called florence never be now i think just to understand why we needed Paige to help us with this particular episode can you please read the quick description of the adventure intro i will but again i want to just point out that having these adventure intros that actually tell you what the adventure is about is another of the very simple but powerful <laughs> tools of this book yes so two women hindered by the rift between their families but bolstered by their love for one another decide to elope meant to meet at the local inn one doesn't show leaving the other to think their plan has been discovered she beseeches the party to discover what happened to her love and they are sent on an adventure of breaking and entering navigating a hedge maze and a race to save true love if you don't think that that thing is going to be jam-packed full of tropes you got another thing coming, and I super want to play through that story. Absolutely. So with that, thanks for joining us, Paige Ford. Wait, am I supposed to say something then? <laughs> well, <laughs> you know that's staying in the edit, right? <laughs> I was like, wait, hold on. <laughs> Throwing it at you. Don't worry about it. We've got a question to kind of start things off, Paige. Why do you think we should lean into tropes rather than actively away from them? One, I love tropes. I mean, I think if they're done well, you know, otherwise, if they're done poorly, they're a bit like a dead fish. But like, I really like tropes. I find them, redoing them is really creative. It brings in like a kind of a communal understanding of your joint storyline when you do go into some of the tropes. And then it brings like a general delight when you do something they're not expecting, like they being the table or... Right. So you're saying like, if you have a trope, you can throw a twist into it. And that's what delights and surprises, but only use them as long yeah. as you need to. Sometimes you do something and it just happens to align to a trope that wasn't your intent. It's just your story. And then some people avoid it so hard that they don't want to do tropes that they've thrown out some great ideas and driven their party in a different direction just because they hate it so much. Just for the sake mm. of originality, almost. Yeah. It's like a desperation yeah. to avoid the trope. Where did this all start? Where did that avoidance of tropes or this like using tropes as hacky or something like that? We're talking about the fact that sometimes newish players will take their class, which is a trope, and do the exact opposite of it while still playing that class. And that's exactly what it is. It's this desperate avoidance. Funny, because by doing that, they're also like... A life trope. You know that person who just wants to be the contrarian? Right. Like, they're being the contrarian trope. We're like, no. Like, or what is, like, there's a whole thing going on right now where there's, like, <laughs> like, you're so desperate to be different, you 
are the same as everyone else where they're like I wear sneakers with my dress I would never wear heels you know, like that type of you know like yeah. mentality and then you end up being at a party where everyone's wearing sneakers <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah well one of us is gonna have to go home and change <laughs> Well, it's a really interesting conversation that I'm excited to dive into with you because, you know, this is one of those things where I don't know where the middle ground is necessarily. Like, what's a good trope? What's a bad trope? When to use these tropes? When they're going to work for us? When they're going to work against us? Because, you know, we recently picked up this great RPG called Shiver that's all horror focused. And that's every single class. It's not even remotely nodding to a trope. It is, this is the trope, and you're going to play the trope, and then your skill tree is going to be all trope things about this trope. Like, it it leans hard into it, and it works. So there has to be something here that we need to explore in a little bit more detail. Well, you know, for me, using a trope poorly, some tropes are outdated. The prince saves a helpless princess. She's only surviving and she's only a character for his journey. You know, like, a, I, I don't know if that's like the, in the realm of Mary Sue, um, I get all the names like incorrect, but if you stick to that, that's the one that's boring. We've seen it. Right. We've all seen the like Disney animated Sleeping Beauty, right? Like <laughs> beautiful, but the story itself, it's like, ah, yes, the princess saved her. She fell asleep, <laughs> she touched something. Yeah. Um, oh no. There's like doing things in a refreshing way. Um, just because the other style's been done so much. And then there's like stepping away from tropes because they're just, they're not true to form today. Like, you know, there's like the whole, when people are doing, and look, I've done these, like I am fully guilty of what I'm about to say. <laughs> Us too. Is, is, yeah, is the, like you're starting a character early on and your character is an urchin who was originally raised by a single mother. So they lived <laughs> by nothing and they suffered and their life was terrible. And it's like, well, there's plenty of single parents out there who are raising their kids by themselves, having a lovely time. Not to like, you know, negate any struggles that that situation may bring, but the idea that every single parent adventurer has lived hell because of <laughs> purely the fact that one of their parents has left or passed away. It's like ridiculous. <laughs> or like being abandoned in the woods and raised by the bears. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Come on. It's a great trope. It can be used well, probably, right? No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's, like, that's what we need to figure out. That's what we're here to determine. So maybe we'll try to do that in the strategy statement. This is the strategy stateroom, where inventive and cunning tactics are crafted for when they're needed most. All right, so for this episode, we wanted to break down these thoughts about tropes into at least a few basic steps so we could follow along. And we came down to number one, find your trope. The second step is identifying its strengths and figuring out if you can actually use it in your games. And the third is to explore its themes and genres so that you really know what you're working with. When you're planning out either one, the story or the characters, what, how do you find your tropes? How do you start? Some people like start with a trope and modify it. Some people start with an idea, find that a trope's in it, and then they kind of go with the trope, right? So, you know, I like fairy tales and horror and everything else. So I will often think of a concept 
that'll quickly grow into a trope um, in my brain. And so I'll just have an idea and it grows, but that's not everyone's thing, right? Some people want to go immediately, hey, I have this trope and I want to subvert it. And that's fine and dandy too. Like if you want to do the prince saving the princess, you start with that and then you modify it from there. You know, like, is it going to be a prince and princess? Is it going to be two princesses? Is it going to be, I don't have a gender neutral term for a royal heir. <laughs> yeah. I'm just realizing. <laughs> what two is princes? that? Yeah, we'll do an editor's <laughs> note and like just plug that in there. <laughs> if you find out, please tell me. Yeah. Um, and then from there, figure out like, what is the journey? So that is like, for me, step one of like, I have an idea first and then the trope kind of usually I'll find them in there. Or are you going to take a trope and subvert it? That's kind of for me, step one. And I guess in that sense, like that trope is going to do a lot of the heavy lifting for you in terms of like getting your players on board, regardless of whether or not you're starting from a trope and you're saying, I want to try and do my own take on this, or you came mm -hmm. up with an idea, you found the trope in it. Either way, you know, you have like 50% of that trope already kind of figured out. Right. And then you're just kind of building off of that and determining at that point whether you're going to subvert it or you're going to lean into certain aspects of it. That's pretty fair. I mean, it's a guide, obviously. If there was a trope store and you're going down the trope aisle of your choice, you're going down the final girl trope aisle, you're going to go like, OK, I want this ingredient and this ingredient and this ingredient. You're not going to like run down the aisle and put your hand in it. And then, <laughs> shove everything into your cart you know you're gonna cherry pick what trope aspects are good for the story um, for a little bit of context can we can we talk in broad strokes about your adventure in tavern tales because yeah is it fair to say you started with a pretty strong trope in that you know funny enough it was actually the reverse the trope came after the idea i just really wanted this romance story i like had just finished writing a horror or something um i can't remember what it was at the time and I really wanted something to write romance, which I think uh, you'd have to ask Mike and Colin. I think they weren't expecting it because um, <laughs> I was like, I just really want some like dwarven halfling romance story. And that's where the two came up. And I was like, OK, how do I do this romance? And then it was like, OK, their families don't. Oh, God, Romeo and Juliet. I did it again. Like <laughs> <laughs> How quickly we fall into the trope. Yeah. Immediately. And, you know, and I. And at that point, there's no wrong answer, right answer with this. Like, I could have been like, okay, no, I don't want to lean into that trope. It's been done a million times. But I was like, oh, I so want to lean into this trope. It's been done a million times, but now it's going to be done a million times in one. <laughs> <laughs> with my own spin on it. Yeah. Cool. So then the next step with that and with any storytelling that we're doing is to identify their strengths. What kind of process did you take at that point so you decided okay we're gonna do a romeo and juliet between a dwarf and a halfling how did you make the trope work because you know i would probably have that negative reaction to something like you said that i've seen done a million times i don't know what i'm gonna do to make this special so you know i didn't want it to be because of like in D, &D you know you have your races in your class and i didn't want it to be like oh they don't want them together because of the races that was stupid. They've, their family's been living in the same town for fantasy eons, basically, right? That right. seems ridiculous. The differences couldn't be like black and white, right. or the answer is too easy, right? The differences, that's not as fun to me to just have answers that are like, even in fantasy morality, this is obviously just wrong, like <laughs> for the main story point, because there's that suspension of morality a little bit. Not, I'm not saying go be like a 
you know, murder everyone. But like, <laughs> there's things in our fantasy games that we allow that we would never like in real life. If I was an NPC and they were fighting with axes, like, what would you do? Certainly not what I do in a D and D game. Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> so the strengths for that, I was like, okay, there's got to be a gray moral ground of why Romeo and Juliet. You're like, you understand that this is just ridiculousness. Like they hate each other for kind of no reason. It's been a while since I've read it. So Shakespeare's probably just rolling over in his grave um, <laughs> as I say that. As we loosely recap. <laughs> yeah. 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 So like it's been done well. Like, you know, it's not to say that I have anything against Romeo and Juliet. Um, clearly, I did a whole adventure on a trope of that. <laughs> right. So and then like I needed to make it fit into the universe I was writing for, which happened tales like I knew the area. Like I talked to the creators and I was like, OK, so. This is what I'm thinking. This is the areas with this work and your math physically. And then, yeah, I kind of just went from there and started pulling the fun D&D bits, you know, <laughs> the ridiculousness and the magic and like that into because Romeo and Juliet's got no magic. I mean, besides the magic love, I guess. But <laughs> <laughs> um, tragic magic. Yeah, probably gone far down the rabbit hole of this. But <laughs> I think one of the questions that comes up for me when I'm considering these kind of tropes is like what are the bits that makes this fun in a D&D game does that cross your mind at all when you're thinking about like okay Romeo and Juliet adventure yeah totally because I mean well for me like part of the fun D&D or not it's like the working together as a team so for me that's like already kind of innately there and I was like how do I get them to work as a team their goal is to find the the Romeo or Juliet the other Romeo plus Juliet no there's two Juliets there's a Juliet with a capital J and there's Juliet with a Silent H at the beginning. Um, and <laughs> these two are separated and you want to get them together. So that's always at the base of it. And then just dropping in the Dungeons and Dragons in there, basically. Any story that's based can be put into any system. I think right. <laughs> you have to do some modifications, but that trope still stands when you take out the Dungeons and Dragons. Right. If you put in Call of Cthulhu, that trope is still there. Like it's standing strong. <laughs> and I guess the strength of it for me comes from the fact that I, as a player going through that, I know the possible outcomes without them being spelled <laughs> out to me. It's like, I know <laughs> that either we're going to succeed and they're going to get together and the family is going to be happy or <laughs> some yeah. serious tragedy is going to befall this. <laughs> Involving some poison. Yeah. <laughs> It almost reminds me of the, you know, the setup to a joke. You know, you've got the building action of a joke and then the punchline. And I feel like the trope is the building action. It's the the expected. And then you're subverting our expectations or you're you're doing a 180. Mm -hmm. And that's that's, you know, that's the core to literally every single joke. That's also some of what we're doing with these tropes is using those tropes to set up all of the expectations but it's the fun of hey but in D&D it's a dragon or yeah. in D&D you have these you know otherworldly she's the the princess that you're trying to rescue is in another dimension and she's the <laughs> ruler of that dimension and you're like oh shit I did not expect that and so yeah. it's the system that can do a lot of the the subverting the expectations mm -hmm. The fact that you're basically saying, yes, you've seen Romeo and Juliet a million times, but you've never gotten to determine the outcome of Romeo and Juliet yourselves. Yeah, that's totally true. Uh, that's, a, that's a really good point. That's like one of the reasons I like to play like horror games and stuff is sometimes it's because like, okay, 
are you the one being scared? Like, are you the one who's about to get murdered in the hallway? <laughs> like, no, you're not. So like, you're putting yourself into that and it is living um, the trope to some degree. Do you know what I mean? Like, not right. like creatively role play living that trope. I mean, hopefully no other time you get to be the final girl. No one actually wants to be <laughs> no. the final girl because that means you have to do that. <laughs> well, and there's that whole trope too within horror of, you know, nobody rationally goes upstairs. <laughs> you always run out the house. You go, you flag down someone in the trope. You always go upstairs. That's where the fun is. That's where the story yeah. is. That's how the tension gets raised. Yeah. That's actually one of my challenges with running horror sometimes is that the players will do the logical thing and it's like, no, don't go to the authorities. Stay in my dungeon trap. <laughs> I, know. I know. It's like normally in a horror thing, you don't go room by room looking for like treasure <laughs> and or weapons. You just grab the first thing you see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, this is a bad place. Let's leave. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's haunted. Okay. Goodbye. Like <laughs> game over. Going back to the trope of Romeo and Juliet, another thing that I think comes up a lot is tropes allow for great moments that are part of the trope. And like we were kind of talking about, like you get to play out these great moments. So how does that come into it? Like planning your Romeo and Juliet adventure or did it? Like, do you, do you have like beats that you want to hit? Or do you just kind of say like, let's do the D&D &D thing. And then at the end, we've got the, the culmination. There's like beats you want to hit like I want to hit just because I think they're going to like it. But if they're going to, um, if the, they being the table goes on an entirely different path than the beats I've set, if I can fit those beats on the fly in and they make sense, then great. And then if they don't, then I, you know, you throw them in the trash. Great moments with the trope. I mean, the story of Romeo and Juliet, you know, we know how it ends. So when you're going into it, you have in your mind, kind of two great moments, kind of like, you know, with going what you're saying, you're like, okay, Neither going to get them together and get that great moment and they're going to ride off into the sunset or I'm not going to get them together. And we're going to fulfill this trope to its end. The star-crossed lovers doomed from the get-go. Now, are you going to stop the doom? Are you going to like push the doom? Like It's kind of your choice. I mean, right. also the dice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> always the dice. I mean, it's going to come to that, to the one dice roll. To slap mm. that poison out of one of their hands. <laughs> if you yeah, miss it. Slap it right into their mouth. Like, oh God. <laughs> Natural one. Or your own mouth. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> yeah, right. I'll take this one for the team. Now, that's, a, that's an interesting point about specifically tragedy tropes, though, is that the party is like aware of that being the likely outcome. And it's extra heroic almost to subvert a tragedy trope. Right. Because horror is full of that, too. Like, hor <laughs> horrors are usually tragedies in some sense or another. <laughs> so playing an adventure TTRPG is you're hopefully subverting a lot of horror tropes all the time. But the setup is there and it makes it so much more, you know, bleak going into it. Let's talk a little bit about that exploration and deepening and how to find the nuggets within those tropes that you really want to pull on. And, you know, I know that we've we've talked a lot about romance. We've talked a lot about horror. Let's maybe use those as our two guideposts. Where in those two tropes, like some of the, the horror and romance tropes, can we find those juicy bits that we really want to glom onto and try to pull out, accentuate like you did? And you've said that you have some favorite tropes in those two genres. So, 
yeah, maybe you can talk about what those are and why you like them for the table. Oh, yeah. So there's a few. The lines blur and where they exactly land, but there's some that are like, for me, very on both genres cohesive. And there's some that I see that are conflicting, like not in a ideology way, but in like, oh, they just go a different way. So, you know, you've heard me say the final girl because I just I love where that's gone in the last uh, couple of decades where, you know, it used to be like you had to be a virgin. Like, oh, no, like you had sex, you're going to die. Like very mean girls, like you're going to get pregnant and die situation to being much more um, freeing, I would find. But this is entirely away from the question that you asked me. So <laughs> I backtrack. Um, so if we look at like the chosen one versus the final girl, I find them to be very similar. Like you're just some peasant girl who doesn't know she has magic. I tend to find that they tend to be women because um, a lot, you know, the romance, uh, they always have this like chosen woman who has no skills. Um, and then they find out she has magic and then she ends up married to the king as like an arranged marriage, right? So there's this chosen one who then has to save the world. Then you have the final girl. And, you know, we all know the final girl. Uh, <laughs> she's the only one left. She has survived everything. She didn't go into that one room at the beginning. She didn't hide in the closet. She's been running her legs off this entire time. <laughs> <laughs> so you have both of these. And if you're going to like use those, there is some like, what are those nuggets you're going to pull from those? You know, you can't do the classic horror thing of picking them off one by one. Cause then you just got one. Person That's left. called a TP or a <laughs> yeah. near TPK, right? <laughs> yeah. Near TPK. Final girl TPK all but one. And I mean, realistically, it should come down to whoever has the the highest cardio stat. And can just continue <laughs> to run. Just keep running. <laughs> Chug it's it not along. the strength, it's yeah. dexterity. <laughs> dexterity and constitution, maybe. Yeah. But, you know, you have these, those are really well-known tropes, both of them, and they may go by different names. But how would you pull the nuggets from that and put that into your game? Well, like we're saying, you're not going to probably have a chosen one on either side. Maybe it's a long-form campaign and there's different variations of, like, who's a chosen one, like, this one person can open this door because of this family thing. And it, yeah, it doesn't need to be overarching. Like I, some people think the trope needs to be the entire thing. It's like, no, you can drop in these little things. Like, you know, like the red herring. You can drop it in once in a blue moon. Drop it in too much, you're going to just bore everyone. Yeah. <laughs> it's be so unsatisfactory, right? But the chosen one, you can, and the final girl, you can like bring that into different scenarios without making it the overarching. Like you don't need to kill your whole team to complete these tropes. You know what I mean? So like the final girl, like you could have a final girl in the background and, but really the final girl has a curse. Like <laughs> that's why she's the final one left roaming earth. And like by killing the final girl, subverting the trope, you're now actually putting her to peace. You know, Ooh. like, like maybe it's a ghost. Maybe it's a spirit, you know, it's like yeah. the nuggets are, it's interesting because it's like the nuggets are going to be different for every single person and what they find the nugget of that. Like, yeah, <laughs> like there true. are key points to tropes, but like, it really is about taking them and making them. So, you know, instead of avoiding the trope entirely or killing yourself trying to write a story that avoids tropes for that, like, lack of twisting the expectations or surprise for your players, you know, it, it really is just chew on it for a while and see see what piece jumps out at you. And, and like you said kind of earlier, is find out what about D&D could make this trope really unique and <laughs> subvert that as well. Because where my mind goes with the final girl now is using it as the vehicle to deliver 
all of the uh, foreboding elements of a, of a monster hunt is you're finding all of the <laughs> the dead members of the final girl trope and you finally find the final girl who's like, yeah, I've seen some shit. <laughs> this is what you got to know if you're going up against this thing. Yeah, you know, it's, that doesn't have to be your whole game. It, you could just take it as inspiration or in the background, like, you know. I, I want to play that game now where you <laughs> catch up with the final girl just as she's, like, gearing up for the final fight. <laughs> like, she's she's bandaging some, like, nails into her knuckles and she's, like, ready to go. And then the party shows up to help her. Like, that's yeah. the... You know, now we're all going to go down swinging kind of thing. We got to try and help the final girl survive. <laughs> yeah, maybe the final girl's, yeah, like, you know, a ghost and has lived this final fight for eons. Yeah. Maybe yeah. you're Ooh. like, it's you're helping the final girl by killing her, like, you know, killing her or helping her kill the monster. Like, she's not alone for once. <laughs> yeah. 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 Nice. <laughs> yeah. I like that. There's, so I don't know if there's a good name for this, but this is kind of like I have the nature is against you or nature is with you. Mm. like type of trope so if you think like jaws nature is against you right nature gonna eat you whole like it's gonna take your whole boat it's gonna take your family it's gonna be rough like yeah <laughs> and then you have like the nature is with you where you find out that you're the last druid of you know <laughs> of this forest that you stumbled into you've lived next to it your entire life and then that's where you get your powers like you know things like that i'm trying to think of a good nature is with you uh, real life trope. There's always the Lord of the Rings again. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. That's true. <laughs> the ants come in and they're stomping and breaking the flood. Like uh, the nature is with you for what we think is the good guys at that point. The hobbits. Like you have accepted nature and it is going to now destroy everything that is against you. And it's going to be brutal because that's what nature is. Yeah. It's brutal. And then you have the nature is against you. If you're in its like in its path against survival, it will take you down. And that's what I like about the nature tropes, where it's like <laughs> you're one with nature, or nature's going to eat you whole. And I love those. I think that's one of our favorite ones to explore in specifically D D with all of its monsters. Mm -hmm. Because yeah, you can just run so many directions with it when nature is against the party and they're trying to accomplish something else, even because we recently did an episode about uh bullets. And we, yeah, we just like ripped off Jaws because it's so fun to do that. You want to play oh, through Jaws. Great. With all of the nature tropes, mm -hmm. like I feel like some of the things that we can lean into, like you said, either becoming one with nature, but there's also that like survival piece where it is, you know, we have to keep looking for opportunities to highlight how our players are ill-suited to survive in these particular conditions. Like, you know, with, for instance, Jaws, you've got these levels of hubris, these levels of gaslighting people into thinking that it's not a big problem. Or, you know, there's there's some other pieces of that nature trope that really mm -hmm. jump out as possible playthings. But, like, what for you really triggers some of the fun in the man versus nature trope. Well, there's kind of two ways. There is nature in your home turf and there's nature in its home turf. So when you're thinking like Jaws, um, you're in the ocean, you're on a boat in the ocean, you are a small fry versus there's the discomfort of nature going into your home. Like there's like, if it's in your home turf, there is like, there's a 
timeliness. Your people are being eaten. Your home is being destroyed. There's a, a ticking clock in your ear making you go. Like you need to stop this before it gets any farther. Versus re- reverse of that, you're in its home turf, whatever this nature may be. Land shark, giant snake in the jungle. You are the huntee trying to be the hunter. Yeah. Right. And that can be really fun because it requires a lot of creativity, especially in the TTRPGs of like, okay, how oh, I have what in my pack? That, those are the times that you're looking at your adventure pack like, oh, crap. <laughs> like, I don't actually know what a piton is. Like, what is this? Google. I've got um, some incense. <laughs> Does that help? <laughs> yeah. I, I have a religious item. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, something that seems like a part of the utility of tropes that you're making me think of with all of these different kind of nature themes is seeing what kind of heroes the players are trying to be. Because if you've got a druid, then you all of a sudden have the opportunity to throw in a lot of those, you know, man versus nature or with nature tropes, because that's what they're, they're trying to explore with that character. Even if they're not like, even if it's a newer player and they're not really aware of that necessarily they just want to play a nature-based character but if we if we lean into those tropes and that gives them the opportunity to be that hero even more i think that uh we should learn a little bit more about what kind of stuff that you're working on page and how you got into this so let's do that in the hero stage this is the hero stage where fantastic folk have a spotlight turned to them to tell the tales of their adventurous lives So, Paige, what drove you to start writing adventures and supplements in the world of TTRPGs? So, my beginning to TTRPGs was a, like, fast and furious route. <laughs> I truly had no idea what it was. Um, I I honestly, I thought it was Warhammer 40k, basically. Um, I had no idea, and I... I can't remember what bet I lost. I lost a bet. I'm really happy I did, it turns out. Um, the thing was, if I lost, I had to play Dungeons and Dragons with my friends. Um, I'm sure my friends can tell you what that I know. I wonder what the bet was. I'm, I, it was ridiculous. <laughs> and I played, and it, the first time you're playing, you know, you have this, like, someone helps build, like, a level three, generally, you know, for you. Good starting point for new people. Um, enough fun things, uh, but not too difficult. And they built my character for me in front of me. And they're like, okay, so would you want X or, you know, X or Y or Z? And I like went from there and I had this character and I was like, um, okay. I, they're like, okay, now Paige, what do you do? I, I do this. And that very first time awkward player, like it all clicked. It was like, oh wait, like <laughs> this is what Dungeons and Dragons is. Oh, I could do this so much better. Like I sucked when I played the last time. Like I didn't know what I was doing. So I played again. Um, but I went from literally I played once to going to a convention and then like went to like a three day convention as my second game. <laughs> wow. wow. <laughs> you went in hard. When I do things. I just like go deep into it. It's the problem. Sweet. Um, that's why I have a million hobbies that I'm. <laughs> that's great. I'm like average at. And then from there, I was like, OK, wait, but no, I want to do it now. So like like being a dungeon master and writing for my first time, I dungeon master like I wrote my own like. <laughs> That's just what I do. Um, because I just really liked it. I was like, this isn't like the things about Dungeons and Dragons that I really like. Besides, like, you know, there's the commun- the communal aspects. I get so excited, I trip over my words. It's really good for a podcast. Um, <laughs> the communal aspect. Uh, there is problem solving. 
they're spending time with your friends or making friends via this. But one of the things that is a huge benefit is communication. My communication improved so much from playing it in terms of like everything. So troubleshooting with, with someone you're not getting along with well to like uh, speaking up for yourself. Uh, what I like about TTRPGs and writing for them is that I am improving myself at the same time. Yeah, like that's how I kind of got into it. I'm writing these adventures of things that I find frustrating or I find interesting and I'm exploring it. So it's kind of like a selfish thing in some way. Like I <laughs> I play and I write and it makes me a better person. <laughs> that's super cool. Yeah, I love that. And not that I've outwardly expressed it in the same words, but I think that's kind of the motivation for our journey too. this podcast and everything is, you know, we're learning about storytelling and history and all this cool real world stuff and we're learning like you said to communicate with people and like through the podcast we're meeting all kinds of new people too like yourself (laughs) it's super cool what parts do we maybe not know are embedded in some of the stuff that you write about you like what is secretly page you know very close to and near and dear to your heart in some of the stories that you've written well you touched on one of them already. I love tropes and I love like redoing folk horror, like folk horror, like a lot of horror stories that are folk are by our standards nowadays, horrific. You know, you'll get the original of some of these, you know, and I love looking at stories. I was a ferocious reader. I, um, I often, I'm that person who often mis- mispronounces words because I was a very shy child. I read a lot, so I know a lot of words, but I can't say them. Right. Um, <laughs> So a lot of the stories I write are stories that have been in my head for a long time because I just didn't have the things to say them. Like I was just so shy and awkward and didn't know how to communicate with people that I just like have stored them all up in my brain. And now this is me being like, oh, thank God I can finally get them out. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a vent finally. (laughs) I need to let this out. Yeah. The part you're seeing is my therapy. You're going to get something deep with Paige's adventures. <laughs> I know. You're like, oh, God, what is it? Like, you see this, like, horror one? Like, is this is what's inside of here? Like, <laughs> get some serial killer vibes or something? Like, <laughs> Is there anything that you're working on right now that you're able to talk about? I mean, what am I working on now? I have a few open works right now. Uh, one of them is a ridiculous game, and I need to apologize to everyone who's, like... <laughs> Uh, the editor working on it. Cause I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to release this any day now. It was a ridiculous COVID one that it was like, you're playing, it's a tabletop rolling game, very short style where you're playing a potato. Um, oh. <laughs> Cause I had a thing where it was like, someone I used to play games with was the inspiration for this. Cause I was like, anything you do, I could, I could play whatever, play whatever you want me to play. I'll literally play a potato. And then I was like, I could literally play a potato. <laughs> so there is Paige looking up different, like, heritage style potato species oh out God. there um, <laughs> things like that but then i also have um, a horror a call cthulhu 1920s game based on the you know the children of monsters basically so <laughs> it's a very you're dealing with babies clearly it's great and not scary and murdery at all so <laughs> Ooh, intriguing i like it i love that <laughs> Now, that's clearly the one with a lot of meat on the bones, but uh, the potato. <laughs> let's, let's go back to the potato. 
I'm just curious. Is that a system? Is that like a subset of a, a current system? It's kind of like a mini TTRPG. Like, okay. it, you could try to put it to something else. I, but it's, you know, there is a meal that you and your table, the the chef is agreeing with on, um, all to do with potatoes. And you're moving it around this board trying to not become dinner and to roll off in the table out the window into the earth where you're <laughs> decomposing to grow more potatoes like things like that just ridiculousness it's a a board game mixed with ttrpg please role play a potato like <laughs> with a little bit of horror still still somehow jammed in it's there, there. You, yeah yeah <laughs> survive against the cruelty of the chef if somebody out there was like, I got, I got to see what Paige's stories are all about, which one would you send them towards you? Like, this is. Oh, gosh. I mean. Choose your favorite child. I know. It's hard. <laughs> I, I, it's, it's a little conceited. I have a few favorite children. Um, I love The Sudden Storm. Um, it's one of the stories I had the most enjoyment writing it's a call of cthulhu 1920s adventure and it's lightning and shadows and like what do you see when you that lightning flashes i i love that Ooh. it gives me nature it gives me you're trapped like you know it's it's things like that it's that's something i just really enjoyed writing and there's actually a part one of my favorite parts unless you're the uh keeper uh for that module you're not reading my background to it. And that's one of my favorite things I've done. <laughs> mm, the background to the cool. Yeah. So you're saying that basically you, you blended in a lot of those storm horror tropes into that adventure, made it really fun. Yeah, it totally does. It totally takes in like, I'm even if nature isn't particularly against you, nature is not with you, you know, right. <laughs> <laughs> Lightning the storm's not going to stop because yeah. you beg it to. <laughs> and it's so like it's so powerful because even when you said like what do you see when the lightning strikes like that right there sets such a great tone and i immediately i'm there and that's mm -hmm. what's so cool about some of your stories is just that they they play to the strengths of those tropes so well and i think that's what i would implore someone who's listening to this episode of just like go and read one of these stories or play through one of these stories and you know kind of get a sense firsthand about how well you use tropes to their you know their best potential i think some of the ones that i'm most curious to uh, explore myself in more detail are the what the ruins kept because that's got you know super horror foot heavy focus i like those kinds mm -hmm. of stories and then of course the fun and fancy free adventure of the known gnomes no gnome goes unknown with the known gnomes which is the, my favorite title to read so thanks for making it he's the only one of us oh that can gosh. do it though oh yeah so what the ruins kept was blatantly inspired by um jenny of the old stone song the um florence uh, in the machine game of thrones song right in that Fully, the lyrics, like not even Game of Thrones inspired it, the lyrics from that. Um, it was in a writing, I have like a, some, I create playlists for different projects and it was in one of my playlists and I was listening to it and I was like, and then I really was listening to it and that's where it came from. 
And it is like one of my more combat heavy modules, which I, I, I always provide the possibility of combat, but I also generally provide the ability to get out of it by like social stuff. And this is one that's more like ghosts and monsters and everything else around you. Yeah. So what I liked about that was the idea of, um, I'm, I'm very image based. Like I'll have flashes in my brain of an image, you know, like many people, uh, my brain is no different than anyone else's, but then that'll be like the start of the story. Yeah. Um, I have so many one sentence notes that I'll be like, what the heck did this come from in my phone? And I'll be like, oh God, what does this even mean? Like, did I leave this? <laughs> um, <laughs> like you're, you were entering a fugue state and starting to type some weird random idea. <laughs> yeah. Now you have to retrace your steps. It's almost like the horror trope of following the journal. <laughs> yeah. Someone else's journal, it except it's yours. <laughs> so it shouldn't be that hard. <laughs> exactly. Because it'll be like generally something like horrific. Like, <laughs> I should pull up my phone sometime and be like, these are the monstrous thoughts of Paige. Um, but yeah, what I, what I liked was that it was, you know, oh my gosh, it always comes back to the final girl. <laughs> the final girl. It's Jenny's the last one left. Uh, she's this, this ghost. Uh, I'd say Ginny. I don't know if I actually kept the name Ginny for this, but Ginny being the inspiration, this, she's the last one left. She's this ghost stuck dancing alone for, you know, a very long period of time and like near trying to stop this and this and not trying to join her almost at the same time. Right. There, it's like the spectral prison almost that you're trying to break them out. But if you're not careful, you're very quickly going to join them. <laughs> And that's why I made it so combat heavy. For everyone out there listening, you can find most of these at pageboardgaming.com. That's P-A-I-G-E, which I'm definitely going to explore. I think we learned a lot throughout this episode about tropes, and there's tons more to learn from, you know, consuming, running these adventures. Well, thanks so much for joining us in this episode, Paige, and teaching us a little bit about tropes. Of course. Thanks for having me. We really appreciate the insights. Um, we we appreciate all of your writing it's so darn good and i implore anybody that that wants to you know understand more about how to use tropes in their stories see it in action you know pick up any of the the stories that uh, you've written at page forward gaming and a special thank you to all of our patrons to help to make this episode a reality thanks to our newest patron ninja ducky and to Sue Art, Blackthorn, First Law, Peacock Dreams, DM Thunderbum, Marley R, Gar the Pirate, Time Warp, Dangerous Marmalade, Zach G, No Ma'am, Michelle T, Felix R, Chris F, Lucas D, Lila G, The GM Tim, Nevermore, Thomas W, DM Natsuki, Heavy Arms, Eric R, Aldross, Leprechaun, and Will HP. Thank you all so much. Always appreciate it. Thanks also to Tabletop Audio for the sound effects that you heard in this episode. You can follow us at Hook and Chance on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Reddit. You can also join that awesome community of players and DMs by joining our Discord. Do some chatting about these weird adventures. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. Thanks for listening. And, and play, play great, great games. games. <laughs> <laughs> we I'm did a, it. I'm an adult. Perfect.